5-4-3-2-1. I'm John Miglosh for the Wisconsin DMA and the International Society for Strategic Marketing. Radio Shack, the TRS-80 color computer at $100 off. $300 computer. Program packs turn our color TV into a game arcade. The color computer is also an education center. There are over 30 games available. And it's 30 games. For home management. Home management. She's right. With a programmable, expandable computer, you can do more than just play games. Like our son's even learning how to program. Save $100 on the TRS-80 color computer, only at Radio Shack, the computer experts. But if it weren't for that little monster, I probably wouldn't have gotten my master's uh, because it allowed me to, in a week, rewrite my thesis and reorganize it the way the professors wanted it, which is always a key to getting the grade in college and in uh, grad school, too. Okay, so let's get over to the real news. Um from graphicdesign.com by Janice Jenkins. Here's an article about reaching direct mail marketing with Generation Y. Okay, and um, I'm going to reach out to Janice. I hope she could join me on the show. She says the teens of today are very different. They have money to spend, and that probably is true. They probably have more than 30 games. And... Um, Many strategies to capture this sector. She's, she goes over to direct mail marketing, but she says it's difficult because you don't have a database for the teens and you don't have, a, you, they can't focus their attention long enough to even open it. <laughs> uh, so if you can't get to them at home, you know, maybe you can go to school. And then she says, take your collateral material, flyers or postcards, and put it in their school lockers. Well, and then she says, you don't even need mail (laughs) without going through the process of mailing it. (laughs) Right, okay, but this was supposed to be about mail. Number two problem, very limited attention. you got to figure out what's going to grab their attention. Janice, I hate to say this, but you could use a case study in here, uh, at least one of something, because I don't even know how hard it would be to get any kind of flyer into the schools uh, at all. I used to have a client, American Collegiate Marketing, that used to put up posters on the on the bulletin boards on all the schools around America. But this is high school you're talking about, and you need a case study in this, and we'll, so we'll go on. Okay, this is really interesting. This is from The Hustle, and um, Mr. Fon here is one of my favorite authors. I use him a lot. Anyway, there's a case called Van Buren versus the United States, and... Van, Nathan Van Buren was a Georgia police officer. I probably read this four times before I thought, well, how does this apply to me or marketing or anything? You know, And uh, he was a Georgia police officer. He, he accepted money to look up a woman's license plate in law enforcement. I forget why. It, it, she had done something somebody didn't like or something. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't all that nefarious, really. Um, and I think it was a neighbor asked him to do it. But... Uh, he was convicted of violating the 1986 Computer Fraud and Abuse Act and specifically a vague clause that says accessing a computer without authorization or exceeding authorized access. Now, it was deliberately vague because they didn't know what to do with computer hacking. Here was, you know, here was uh, a repository of information, a website or something, that was relatively unguarded. Right, so there's a pile of money in the street, and somebody comes along and grabs it. Is that a crime? 
it's hard to say. You know, how hard did they try to guard the, the property? It wasn't clearly, you know, fenced in. It's it's vague because, in especially in the 80s, you know, there just wasn't much computer security. And uh, so now, you know, you have to work a little bit to hack it. And so it's pretty clear what, what hacking is. But, you know, you say, well, why does this apply to me? Well, this is a marketing show. Well, it's technology news, you know, all that. So he argues that he had authorized access to the database. He did have permission to get into the website. So he didn't hack the website at all. But what he'd done was for unauthorized purposes. He'd looked it up for somebody that, you know, wasn't... He'd looked it up for somebody that wasn't authorized. It's a little unclear. Interesting, I think it has... It, it's similar to some of these Snowden-type cases where someone who is authorized to extract data did but for someone who wasn't authorized and so it's a little you know it is a little vague but the the tricky part is how does this affect me here's the kicker how does this affect me okay so right now i've got a little spat going with linkedin if you know me on linkedin i i'm at the top i've gotten the crown a few times in david uh, in David Rosendahl's contest, weekly contest of who puts up the most new followers, and I've gotten it a few times, and I've been on the I've been on the picture wall more than a few times, and mostly how I do it is post articles, and also I click connect. <laughs> Boil it down. I'll help you with your LinkedIn. I used to always write people. I first I only started with people I know. For years and years, I started in 2003, and then I went to a class with Wayne Breitbart in Waukesha, and he gives classes on LinkedIn, and he said, you know, LinkedIn opens doors, and the more first-level connections you have, the more second-level connections you have, and so I went a little more all-in and started uh, connecting to people that I might not know, but are in key industries, or really diligently looking up, you know, with every with every business card I could find going in there, and and I had piles of business cards, which didn't even have email addresses on them, mostly and old stuff. And I had thousands of people on Yahoo, which got me, which got me suspended. LinkedIn said, "Upload your Yahoo account, and we'll look them up for you and invite them to connect." And the minute I did that, they they banned me. They closed my account because I had uh, I had invited too many people. I'd broken the rules. Well, Nick Besbius was my friend and VP of marketing at at LinkedIn, so I called up Nick and said, you know, they banned me for something they invited me to do. You know, I guess not everybody has 3,000 Yahoo connections. So anyway, um, that was banning number one. But a week and a half ago, I got a notice that I was I was my account was suspended. And that it had been suspended in the past. I don't know if it, if that episode in 2012 counts. Maybe it does. I don't know. Maybe they never forget. But that I had done um, automated activity. And um, I, you know, I'm just really diligent about it. In the morning, we invite 50 people because that's kind of the limit. In the evening, we invite another 50 people because that's the limit. The limit sign doesn't come up, but it's very systematic. I've been doing it for a couple of months now, and mostly in printing and mail and the USPS and direct marketing and some other things. But, you know, I search on some things, just hit connect, 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 connect. And um, it's fairly effective. Uh, so 
the automators, apparently that triggered their AI system. Now, I have authorized access to LinkedIn, but they suggested that I used it in an unauthorized way according to their terms and conditions. Now, with this decision, it's possible that they could just ban me forever. I think it's not in their best interest to ban me forever because I put up a lot of content, a lot of people hit like. Odds are you've done something. You know, I know somebody that managed Facebook pages and they didn't really want to do it with their main account because that's for, you know, baby pictures and, and friends and all that. And so they created an account. That's a violation of Facebook's terms of service. And uh, so they could be banned. They could be They could be actually fined or jailed. Uh, what if LinkedIn was starting to jail people that just hit the button that they invite you to, to hit? They provide me with the button, they tell me how many mutual contacts, and away they go. So uh, it looks like the Supreme Court is leaning with Van Buren because Justice Alito noted that expansion of the CFA would criminalize, that's the kicker, all sorts of activity that people would find innocuous. Wow. I want to end with Minuteman franchise owner grows sales during COVID-19. And he sent this big doll with a clock on it, uh, the Minuteman doll, to the home office as a thank you gift for all the support he gets from Minuteman franchise headquarters. Um, He's been able to grow his his sales. And the part that I wanted to mention most is that the main thing was direct mail. We received a huge number of requests for direct mail, particularly from schools, hospitals, and healthcare. They needed to quickly and effectively communicate with their students. Now, maybe, maybe Janet was right about the ability to reach students, because here it's the same thing. So, uh, students, patients, and their families. Since they knew we we are a mail provider, they trust us with these critical communications. How about that? Mail. What an idea. Okay, they also printed up signage, a lot of stuff. You gotta get those rules up on your door at, at your at your work or whatever. And they also did um branded apparel, which I didn't know Minuteman even did. And branded apparel, they said people have the retail workers have masks on, everybody has masks on, you can't tell who's who. So they've decided that it would be a good idea for customer comfort to to have a little bit of uniforms, and they got it at Minuteman Press. So that's a very nice article. Have a nice day. Think about print. Think about mail. It's one of the most innovative marketing channels today.